Welcome back to Martins and More. My name is Maury Rutsch. And I'm Spoon Phillips. And this episode is brought to you by the Martin 0028 Brook Lidgetwood. Brook Lidgetwood has seen wide-ranging global success across various genres and has long-standing and deep personal connection with Martin guitars. Her auditorium-style signature model is tastefully designed and was inspired by a combination of Brooks' two favorite Martins, the OM42 Paul Simon and the Eric Clapton model. For more information on the 0028 Brook Lidgetwood, please visit maurysmusic.com today. Spoon, I suppose those used to be her favorite Martins, and now her new favorite Martin is her favorite new Martin, her new signature model. Will you, uh, you're the Martin Insider. You probably know that. <laughs> it's quite possible. Uh, for people who are not familiar with her, uh, she, uh, of course, started out in New Zealand and Australia and basically then went worldwide. Uh, you should check her out. And I was very happy with this uh, instrument. Um, I, I'm a big fan of the triple uh, 28 Air Clapton and the OM42. Um, at the time, I just heard, oh, well, she liked the Air Clapton model. That's what she wanted to base it on. That's what I first heard. So when I actually got the thing in, in my hands and got to play it, uh, very tastefully done. It does not have the herringbone around the edge of the si of the top like the Clapton, nor that style, uh, vintage style 21 herringbone around the rosette. It's got the pearl rosette, the abalone rosette, and then it has the black and white ply bindings of the style 28 guitars from the late 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s on up. And so it looks really nice, really cool. And it has a 1 and 11 16th inch nut like the OM42 Paul Simon. And so it is, uh, and so it is basically a combination. And then it's got that nice uh, headstock with what is sort of a wreath. I think they call it a wreath. It kind of looks to me like um, peace garlands or something like that. Uh, on the on the top and um, of what's probably an ebony faceplate. It's a very dark black faceplate. But anyway, a very cool guitar, short scale for people who do not like that one three quarter inch nut, want the skinnier nut. Uh, here's an opportunity to get a really nice Indian rosewood uh, guitar with a VTS Sitka top. So, uh, or spruce top, and they, they may be qualifying for that new, might be Sitka, might be the, the hybrid uh, of Sitka. But anyway, check it out if you see one in the stores, or get a hold of Mari's Music if you're interested in getting one for yourself. Yeah, we do have the natural top in stock, and it's interesting, you're basically getting a modern deluxe guitar with some features you can't get anywhere else, especially in modern deluxe. I'm a little bit surprised that I mean, I didn't expect that model to take off like the CEO 7 or anything like that, but I am a little bit surprised it hasn't, you know, garnered more traction so far. But as we're taping this late summer 2023, maybe maybe this is the month. Maybe it's just it's going to start hitting the fan, as they say, and, and we'll see if, uh, if these two models, the Sunburst and the Natural, you know, do take hold. But I think if you're looking for something like that and you go in any other direction you're at least going to lose the VTS top. So before we accidentally make the whole show about that model, uh, that model is what's featured today. And if you have any questions about it, like Spoon said, give us a call or an email. Spoon, how are you doing today? I never ask you that anymore. Well, I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. I'm having a good late summer uh, 23 myself and looking forward for football, uh, both in terms of uh, the American football and the English football that I follow. So... I'm getting ready for fall, even though I love summer. How about you? 
I'm exactly like you with half of that football stuff. The American stuff for me, <laughs> the kicking the ball around thing, I'm not that much into, but I'm, I'm glad you like it, and I'll just leave it there. Now starts the time where uh, one football team will determine my mood every Sunday for the next uh, 17 weeks. I don't know how they do that, but... Uh, <laughs> I would just like to shout out to uh, Laurie, uh, my, my sympathies, ma'am. Um, okay, so <laughs> what do we got in store today? I got some good news and bad news. What do you want to hear first? I would like to hear the good news. Uh, we had somebody <laughs> request that we talk about a really cool subject today, the beginnings of Maury's music and how Spoon got involved. That's the good news. The bad news is I wrote it down and lost the note, so I forget who asked this. And when we do these kind of things, it's not a joke. We, we do want to give you some credit. We do want to give you a shout-out. Please accept my sincere apologies. Maybe I'll find out before this is edited, and I'll come in here and go, whoosh, whoosh, and I'll put that name in here. But kidding aside, great topic, so you know who you are. And it, it comes up in some other podcasts, and certainly when we're talking on videos, a lot of people do want to know, how did Mari's music begin? And how did Spoon Phillips get involved? And I'll tell you, I did some research today. I was surprised. I want to start today's show with a trivia question that we will answer early because it's, it's got everything to do with uh, the subject at hand. Let me ask you, Spoon, and our listeners, from the time Maury's music opened their doors, and we're going to tell you that was 2003, how many years do you think it took us to get onto YouTube? And I don't mean the way we are now with these podcasts and certainly not all these shows. What year did we debut by basically beginning to upload content to Maury's Music's YouTube channel? What year was that? How long of a span from the day we opened the physical store to the day we basically jumped into the YouTube space? I'm, I'm curious to see how many people think they know that answer. I was surprised to find out what I thought I knew and I didn't know. Well, I, that's a very good question. I was thinking about this uh just recently when somebody was talking about Martinfest and how different the world was, was back then in terms of people being in online forums and people up, uh, uploading videos and stuff. And, and that was actually a very long time ago in the history of that stuff. And uh, so that's an interesting question. I, I, would, I would be making a complete uh, stab in the dark. I'll just say five years, but I think it's probably more than that. The answer coming up. So where should we start? It all started in a dark, stormy night. Um, I just have to say, for those of you who remember Robert Goulet, the actor, singer, uh, Broadway star, his Broadway, his Broadway uh, biography in the in the uh, playbills literally said something like that. You know, and. and it all started on a stormy night, and you know, it was just so, so full of ham, it was unbelievable. But anyway, I think we should do it this way, uh, because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't aware of what we were going to be doing necessarily. Um, I think maybe we should do the old-fashioned interview and let me ask you, because I have a lot of questions about that. Uh, I don't remember when, when a lot of things happen. So how about I sit down with not 20 questions about a guitar, but with... Oh, I don't know. Umpteen questions with Mari Rutsch about the founding of Mari's music. What do you think? I think that would be a lot of fun. And sidebar, when you get done watching this on YouTube, go find Will Ferrell doing Robert Goulet on Saturday Night Live. I forget what he's singing, but he's in a convertible car, and it's, it's certainly <laughs> worth your time after you get done with this. So I'm, that's on my mind now. What? Goulet. 
start me off, I'll go back in time as much as I can pull off a little Marty McFly and I'll be right honest with you guys from the jump. I'm going to get some of these dates wrong. My mind is not what it used to be and it, even when it was, it wasn't all that much. So, How long was it from the time Marty's music opened until you stopped wearing shorts only and actually bought a pair of long pants and was it before or after you were on YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm wearing shorts right now, so uh, next question. It, it'll never, it'll never change. I was so excited when YouTube introduced something called shorts. It's for people who are not that familiar with uh, Mari on a day-to-day -day basis. Back in the early UMGF days and the early Martin Fest days, which of course was the only time anybody saw him that was coming from out of town and wasn't in the uh, the area there uh he was always wearing shorts so people just got the impression that he never wore anything else just like the very <laughs> first time i ever buzzed haircut did the buzz haircut you know with the you know sort of paris island uh was for the first martin fest because i knew it was going to be over 100 degrees every day and i didn't realize that people for years thought that's how i wore my hair all the time and which wasn't true i would do it <laughs> you know once a year for martin fest but anyway um let's go back so you were a gigging musician in Pennsylvania, and you were basically living in the area pretty much where you grew up. And how did you go from being a gigging musician to having uh, a Martin dealership? Well, the, the early, early days, I was actually working full-time as a musician four or five nights a week. And the genesis of me, or Lori and I, beginning to sell Martin guitars and be a store and how it all really started, the little seed that was planted was us selling bone saddles. We made bone saddles out of blanks because I recognized as being a, a UMGF member. Uh, that was one of those parts that was very popular back then in those days. I'm showing my age and I'm showing your age if you're listening and you remember this. Martin guitars were... Uh, they had plastic saddles, micarta saddles, and a very popular modification was to buy a saddle made of bone and, and do the upgrade, which I, I would still consider as an upgrade. And so we, we started making, buying blanks and making bone saddles. And not long after that, we, we thought it might be smart. We were selling on eBay at the time. It might be smart to try to sell strings and parts. So we applied to Martin and asked him, can we become what they called an accessories dealer? So the very, very beginning of this whole thing was we'd buy bone blanks and make them into saddles with a Dremel tool and sandpaper and belt sanders. And we also were a reseller for Martin parts, capos, strings, and that sort of thing. So that was the plant the seed in the ground, you know. And what year would that have been, do you think, approximately, of when you moved from just being a cottage industry saddle maker to actually uh, having a connection to Martin? That would have been the spring of 2003. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, because I do remember you basically just being, when I met you, you know, you were just a musician. And then I think, and that would have been in 2002 and at the first Martin Fest. And so I, so it was just a, a year later that you, uh, that you got connected with Martin. So that is fascinating. Um, so just so people know, a lot of people have heard this, but since it was part of the original question, uh, I and a friend of mine named Tony Phillips came into Nazareth. We pulled into Nazareth, feeling about half past uh, melted because it was a zillion degrees. We pulled into the Pizza Hut there and went in and had a pizza and pitchers of beer because it was ice cold there and we didn't get to the park for a long time <laughs> and we finally <laughs> get to the park and as uh at, literally as we're walking from the parking lot 
uh, over and up these, this uh, concrete stairway that goes up this green hill to this cabin in the middle, you know, about in the middle of the hill there in, the, in Borough Park. Uh, there are people playing guitar, and I literally heard people singing. I pulled in the Nazareth feeling about half past dead. And there was Dick Boak, who I'd never met in person <laughs> before, and and uh, and Mari Rutsch, though I didn't really met, meet Mari until the next day. He was just one of the people milling around. But uh, that's where we first uh, met up, and then the next day we actually found out we had a lot of you know musical tastes in common. But um, but that was the beginning of uh, as. Uh, Humphrey Bogart says in Tienda Casablanca, a beautiful friendship. So, so there you are. <laughs> so there you are in 2003, and you're beginning to uh, sell Martin accessories as an accessory dealer. And I didn't really remember even that they had accessory dealers back in those days. Um, so, um, how did you make the quantum leap from being an accessories dealer to being one of the most popular uh, Martin guitar dealers in the nation? Well, before I answer that, I just want to tell you, listening to your part, I'm sweating right now. It's 70 degrees here in the Mari's Music Studio, but just hearing you talk about NASFest really makes me feel like it's 91 and 600% <laughs> humidity. So you're you're either very descriptive or it was really, really hot that day, um, and it always is. Very good. NASFest being what we initially called it back then that just happened to come out of the zeitgeist. But eventually, I think they realized Martin kind of wanted their name mentioned in the in it. So we switched over to Martin Fest yeah, in the early years. But to answer your question, I'm, so, I'm sorry, if, if I ever say Martin Fest, I will say Nazfest right after, Martin Fest right after that. I, I can't pick one and I just, I never think about it. But uh, to make the quantum leap to doing the guitars, I'm sure it was less than a year. I really feel like we started selling accessories and uh, well, the, the feeling comes over me every time I talk about this to anybody. As soon as we recognized we could sell bone saddles, and the strings and accessories started to work. It wasn't any harder to sell accessories and strings compared to selling bone saddles. So my brain, for better or worse, immediately went to, well then why don't we just sell the whole guitar? If Martin lets us sell their strings and their parts, and people are trusting us through the word of mouth we've built up because I'm a forum member who's becoming a, a seller, why don't we see if Martin will let us do the uh, the guitars as well. So I, I'm sure I could go on record to say it was the same year. If it was the spring of 2003 that we were selling parts and strings, by the summer of that year, boy, it'd be, it'd be funny. Maybe it was a month. I probably sold my first four packs of strings and said, hey, let's let's turn this over. And it, it, it felt that fast. So I know it was within a, a very short amount of time. Don't let anybody tell you that we sold strings and parts for a couple of years and took these baby little steps towards the guitars. That is false. It was almost immediate. And um, as the story goes, I remember asking Martin, we've been selling your strings and your parts. Can I apply to become a, a real dealer to sell your instruments? And they said, sure. So I put the application in and I waited what seemed to be like five or six months. It was probably four or five days. And I let it go a couple of weeks and I finally called back and I said, I have to ask, I haven't heard back yet, are, are we approved to become a, a regular standard Martin dealer for your guitars? They said, oh yeah, you were approved immediately. We're just trying to think of how much credit to give you. That's like, oh, of, co of course, almost like wh why would you think you wouldn't be? And uh, this sense of relief and what came over me and it, it just all <laughs> happened like a light switch. And I don't know if you guys would be the same in my shoes, but as soon as I heard that, uh, we just dove in completely. We just every bit of our being uh, was just aimed at let's become a really good solid Martin dealer and let's ride the uh, amount of goodwill 
and trust that we've built up by selling parts. And if, if we've made a number of eBay customers happy uh, and our, we were you know, bu just building a website, let's do the same thing. And if people can you know, tell each other, trust Mari, well, get a D28 in, instead of just getting strings or a, a Martin guitar strap and those sort of things. So it was very, very quick. And talking about it now it feels like it was lifetimes ago, but it was it was a real fast stepping stone from bone saddles to strings to guitars all happened in, in the course of a very very short amount of time. And um, I you know I do remember those days uh, fairly clearly. Uh, you know I kind of at first you were in Pennsylvania I was here and and you know I wasn't paying that much attention to it. I had uh, had uh, you know. Uh, relationships with dealers here, particularly Matty Yumanoff and, and Stan Jay at Mandolin Brothers, and um, and would haunt the guitar stores, uh, all of them, all the time. Even though I didn't, even before I could, uh, even had my first Martin, and um, but I do remember that all coming about um, back in those days. Particularly, a lot of people may not know this that have never been there, but C.F. Martin and, uh, and Company is one of the oldest family-owned businesses in. Uh, in the United States, um, the uh, the symbol maker when it comes to musical instrument makers in Boston, the Zir I can't remember what they're called. The Z, you might remember the name of the symbol. Zildjian. That begins with Zildjian. The thank you. Yeah, they're officially the oldest musical instrument maker in America, but they, of course, uh, you know, came from Europe just like Martin did. But um, but Martin has always been a family business, and I think they're still currently the oldest family-owned business of any kind in America uh, with more than, I think, 300 employees or 400 employees or some, whatever it is. Uh, they're, you know, they're older than Levi Strauss and all that. Um, but they remained a family business, like a small business, really, up until they built a new factory in 1960. And even then, they still had the mentality of a small family business and the people that worked at the plant, generational people, uh, you know, there's, we know several people that are our age or younger whose grandparents worked at the factory, our uncles and aunts worked at the factory. Uh, Dick's, uh, Dick Bokes loves to impersonate some of the best Pennsylvania Deutsch guys that still have the Pennsylvania Deutsch accent. You know, very, uh, very down-home people. And, and I've, I've said this behind uh, Mari's back a lot over the years, that Mari and Laurie are the closest thing to knowing people from Bedford Falls in It's a Wonderful Life as I've ever oh met. Oh, my God. And you forget, you know, I mean, I grew, up in a, I grew up in that environment. I grew up in the town where the guy who owned the Photoshop, you know, everybody would come in and they would talk and, you know, that, all, that very small town sort of thing and everybody said hello to each other on the street and all those things that does, doesn't happen where I transplanted to and I have to remind myself it still happens across the South and the Midwest and out West and smaller, and particularly in smaller communities. But anyway, I, I knew immediately, um, before I even knew you guys well, it was pretty obvious to anybody who did know you and knew you from Martin Fest, why it was that you became a Martin dealer basically overnight in a ridiculous amount of time. I'll flat guarantee you that probably has never happened in the history of Martin Guitar before, where somebody, <laughs> particularly since they became a real you know, international entity, that somebody uh, went from saddle maker to Martin dealer, uh, you know, from zero to 60, because they met you and they knew you and they recognized the fact that you guys are very genuine, honest, honorable, you know, 
fun, funny people, and you fit right in to that culture in that part of Pennsylvania. And I'm sure they, you know, people at Martin recognized that. So they weren't surprised that they, you know, that they were just trying to figure out how much credit you were going to get. But, uh, but just being the way you guys are, I can see why you would think that way. So I've never had any problem at all, you know, recommending you guys for anything at all, even though I've tried to maintain my neutral stance on my own website, One Man's Guitar. I'm always recommending that people uh, support their dealers and, you know, and um, whoever they feel is their dealer and that they like and trust. But, uh, but I would, you know, in a, you know, without batting an eye, I would also recommend Mari's music. Um, and that was before we became in any way formally associated. So do you remember how we became more formally associated? Well, first, thank you uh, to bring that Bedford Falls thing back. That is the, the most warm my heart thing I'll ever hear. And I, I have heard it before. And every time you say it, whether it's on the airwaves or not, that's, that's top stuff. So thank you. Um, and Lori and I, that movie just moves us. So that's, that's a great reference. Um, I, looking at, back at some... Uh, some information here on my computer to try to find out when to talk about certain dates. I'm having a hard time deciding when you and I, like I can't remember the conversation if it was across one or two conversations or if it, it certainly wasn't accidental, but my foggy memory of this would have said, well, we probably became a store in 03. I had met you in 2002, so we were probably working together in 2003. That's not the case. I'm surprising myself, and I teased a trivia question at the beginning of this episode. That answer is right around the corner from this, but I don't remember exactly how or when we decided to get together. I, I'm looking at some dates on my screen where I know we started doing some YouTube videos, I'm unpleasantly surprised it took that long, and maybe I should just cut to the chase. By 2003, we were a Martin dealer. I'm really shocked to tell you that the very first, let me put it this way, the very first time Mari's Music did anything on YouTube, to answer that trivia question, is the year 2006. So it was three years. It was December of 2006, okay. three years, yep. So I said five years because I thought the way you phrased the question, it was going to be shockingly later. So it was so that wasn't that shockingly later. So it was three years from the time you moved from just being a website and an eBay eBay seller to video. Well, this is how this is how I remember it. So I had a lot of people may know this that's listening to this, but. I had been haunting the guitar stores in New York City and putting uh, my re reviews up on web forums before the UM Jeff was around. And basically, I would say I went to uh, Madeline Brothers uh, this weekend on Saturday, or I went to Matt Umanoff, or I went to, to uh, you know, these different guitar stores that were in and around New York City. And I would mention the guitars that I saw and the guitars that I played, and I would, and I got a lot of good response about it. And I got some flaming, you know, because of my, my wanting to resort to using a metaphor from, you know, from talking about food and wine to to you know whatever to talking about you know uh, the way I tried to discuss tone and try to mention tone and was always happy when people from various places around the world would say. I own that model, and you actually de absolutely described how it sounds. <laughs> and so that's always always good to hear. But, um, but so I was doing that, and then I started my own website finally, and then I started putting uh, reviews of the guitars that I would go see at Mandolin Brothers and Matt Umanoff's and, and uh, 
Tom Crandall's and you know other people's shops, and um, and you know eventually the Guitar Center showed up and all that. The old uh, 48th Street shops, uh, where Sam Ash used to be and Rudy Pence's shop used to be and all those shops, and um, Manny's. Manny's, thank you. That's what I was. Uh, that's the word I was trying to looking for. And so I would go into those stores and I would write my reviews to tell people about it. And I know people. Some people bought guitars based on my reviews, and. Um, and you know, and we're happy that they did. So I, so I started my own website, and I started doing that. And then at some point, and I don't remember if it was before or after the opening of your shop. I think it might have been before the opening of the shop. And what was the grand opening date of the shop? The first shop. Ooh, that was that's going to be Aprilish two thousand three. I don't know the date. So, and this shop was in an early 20th century home, might even be an Edwardian period home, an old-fashioned family home uh, on a street that had become what's basically Main Street with the, right next door to it was a movie theater and, and, you know, and, and, the, and the little, you know, the little diners all there and all that sort of thing. Um, so those, you know, buildings were being converted, had been converted into in, uh, commercial spaces by that time. So um, I do know that Maureen Laurie invited me to come to the grand opening and do a sort of an unofficial clinic of playing different guitars that were for sale and talking about them. Now, either right before that or right after that, Laurie approached me asking me if I would be interested in writing some kind of article for the website so you guys had some sort of content. And so I, we uh, kind of went back and forth, and then ultimately she uh, offered, to my great surprise, to ship me a D18 Golden Era to do my style of a guitar review for it for your website. And so that's the very first thing I ever did for Moore's Music was my review of the D18 GE. And she said... Uh, and then you guys later on came to me with the video idea, and she was adamant about, I don't want you to change anything. I want you to do what you do for your website. I just want you to do it for us. And that's where they came from. One man's guitar, when I wear the sweater, and they, and uh, was in the Martin sound room, and I wore the green sweater because it matched the green background in the, in the, the soundproofing in the Martin sound testing room. I wanted to be as anonymous as possible, and the one man of one man's guitar was supposed to be, because I would do this for private people too. I would do reviews of their guitars, and it wasn't it was supposed to. They're supposed to be the one man. It was supposed to be one man's guitars, and I was going to start doing reviewing guitars in private collections. That was my initial idea. When she came to me by that time, she said, I want you to do the exact same thing. That's why when I started doing the reviews for you, I wore the same sweater. And eventually you started to see me, a bunch of people began to know who I was, then you'd see me wearing my wool English cap and all that stuff. But, um, hmm. but that's where it began with, that's, that's how we got connected. We got connected originally as French, French through Martin Fest. And then Laurie uh, uh, approached me about starting to write some reviews. And so I started writing my own reviews, and then I would write a version for you when I would go see the new models at the factory, for example. And that's really where we first got connected. Um, and then you would ask me to come do the clinic thing, and I went and did the clinic thing. That's where I met Tim Teal for the first time. Uh, he wanted me to start doing Martin clinics, but, but it got... Uh, and Dick was all for it. He hooked me up with Dick, and, 
And I even got the uh, head of guitar, uh, acoustic guitars at Guitar Center out in the Northwest to uh, agree to doing a clinic in New York City. But then it got shot down from some uh, internal people inside of Martin. Um, mainly the, the, the rep at that time didn't want to have anything to do with clinics. He was an old curmudgeon that's not been in the, with the factory for years. And another guy in there who kind of thought, saw himself as his little, his little power fiefdom included clinics. So he wasn't happy that, that you know, Dick Boke and Tim Teal were, were making, deciding this and he kind of torpedoed it. He's not with the, I can say this now because he's not with the company anymore either. But anyway, um, so that's how it happened. I did my first thing with Maurice Music uh, in person at the opening of the store. That was a wonderful party. We had a great time. Uh, you guys had people playing on the stage at the movie theater. Your friends in the movie theater let you use that as a performance space. And I remember the uh, you had the Nakashima, the first Nakashima model there at that time. You had a oh yeah OM, OM35. Um, I'm trying to remember what else I played that day, and you know, and kind of talked about the history of the OM, the history of Style 35, and how they came together in the OM35 and all that. I had a, I had a total blast. So, so uh, that was my first trip to Coldale, and and you can't get rid of me. I keep coming back. <laughs> it's it's a little bit unnerving to remember it this way, but that was such a great day. I bet you a lot of shop owners would remember their very first big important event. And just remember the headaches and the, and the stress and how is everything going to work out for whatever reason that that memory of mine is really positive and it felt like most of the things if not everything you want to happen fell into place really nicely we had spoon we had Howard Emerson our friend Bill Koonsman uh, Maury and Tim did some some music and uh, it really it, it probably went a lot quicker than I remember but it was a very very nice full day the pieces are falling into place now as far as me hearing you talk it makes a little bit more sense that you and I did get together long before the YouTube stuff. It was in my memory backwards where I just started to assume when you and I first did get together and we brought you into Mari's music, it was just videos from the, from the jump. And that's not true at all. I mentioned a little while ago that 2006 was the very first video uh, that Mari's music put on YouTube. And I'll still remember talking to our webmaster and we said, you know, we're, we're going to do these videos now of guitars. I know we're going to put them on the website. And the, the year is 2006, obviously. And I said to him, should we put them on YouTube, too? And he's like, eh, couldn't hurt. And the whole mindset <laughs> of him back then was like, I, yeah, I'm try it. Like, tell somebody now, you know, YouTube might be a good idea for a video. I mean, that's where everything <laughs> lives. But back then, there was an opportunity that I almost didn't. <laughs> Do you remember what your first video was on YouTube? I had to look it up. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you guys in the audience if you're listening to this in your car or if you're listening to this on YouTube. I'm gonna give you a 10 second head start. Which Martin guitar model do you think was my first video? And this is this is before Spoon was involved. What was the first Martin video on YouTube from the Mari's Music channel? I'll give you a hint. It's popular again. Oh, good heavens! <laughs> so we're going back to 2003, and it's popular now. 2006. 2006, and it's popular now. I'm going to say the D18. Ooh, very, very close. The OMJM. No kidding. Well, what do you know about that? Yep. If you go to Maury's Music YouTube and, and search videos and search by date and click that button to go from the newest to the oldest, uh, you, I mean, I don't recommend you do it because a lot of stuff back then isn't good looking. But, yeah, the OMJM, it was my first... Foray into it, it was it predates the 
the uh, the chords I play now, that whole D, C, G, E minor, that's way before that. That That's another good trivia question. When did that start? But yeah, the OMJ. Well, you know, now that that's a great uh, transition then because I first saw my first OMJM at your shop, but it wasn't that shop. So let's go. It was at the grand opening of the second shop where you had a party and a bunch of UMGFers came from the New Jersey, Pennsylvania, uh, you know, New, uh, New York area. And I don't remember if the late Dave Kaskeski came up for, for not from Delaware, but, but people came from all over the place to go to to the opening of your second shop. And uh, when would that have happened? Well, uh, Dave was at the first one. That might be what you're remembering. He was he was okay. the first person at the first store. Oh, wow. Um, so that that's a big thing for me. And I, I remember he was the guy that taught me that joke. Hey, you got some up dog in your hair. And I would say, what's up dog? Nothing. <laughs> he was the guy that taught me that joke. Um, I, I, lots of great memories of him, but that's that's in the front. Um, uh, but I, it was... <laughs> 2004, he probably told it to everybody that day. Uh, 2004, maybe late in the year, it was it was this, uh, the winter time, so it wasn't very long we recognized that the heating system in the first building wasn't exactly as reliable or always on as we wanted it to be with having those guitars in there. And uh, a big shout out to our friend, uh, mutual friend, Bruce Atkins. It was one of those really weird times. You're talking about Bedford Falls and people helping people. Bruce Atkins actually used his own car to help us move guitars from one building to another in a ah. uh, not an emergency but it, you know almost emergency so bruce hope you're doing well it was good to see you uh, back at nasfest martinfest see um 2004 is when we moved into the new building and that would have been the, the brown paneling on the walls and that was the uh, uh if if you took second street if you, you turned off the highway and, and climbed Second Street to go to the original store, well, the second store was actually on Second Street, so it was on the hill. Uh, that was 2004 to 2000, uh, at least a couple of years. I don't want to cross the timeline too far here, but it was 04, and that was the uh, a lot more room. That was we had a little stage in there, had Howard Emerson back again, and that was I got I still found I recently found pictures of that event. Not long ago, oh. and it's pretty wild to look at. Oh, you'll have to share them with me. I'll have to see how skinny and I really am uh, back then. But uh, <laughs> I also, you know, I remember I was very impressed, even I think back in the first store, that you ordered uh, D28s and D18s with one three-quarter inch neck, if I remember correctly. One uh, nut width. Do you remember that? You did like a run of those. Oh, yeah. Yep. And that Thank was, you. you know, I thought that was pretty impressive to be aware of what people were saying online. And so very predating the re reimagined uh, versions of those guitars, you were ordering them. And were they allowed to be stamped D28 back then? Were you allowed to do the nut change and still have the stamp, or were they custom? I don't remember. Yeah, back it was a custom shop, but back then, if you only made a couple of revisions, I think you had to keep it under three changes, and it was still called D28. And not to take credit, because it was just another side effect of being on the forum. I'm on the forum all day, you know, as a player and and shop owner. So it was just, it's still being ingrained. I mean, it's 2023, and I'm still on the forum a lot. Being on those threads where you're seeing people complain, I want a wider nut, I want a wider nut. Well, just like we saw, people wanted bone saddles, and we're, I can't find any. We, we tried to keep our finger on the pulse there, and frankly, I think it would have been foolish of us not to recognize, hey, how many days am I going to go to that forum and see people crying about the need for one and three quarter and not go to Martin and say, listen, you know, make some up. And we didn't have to buy a million of them. We just ordered 
you know, dozens and dozens at a time. And if, if they didn't sell as fast as something else, it wasn't a big deal to us. Again, not knowing what, what's proper and not to, uh, you know, only being in business since 03, we didn't have any accountant telling us what we should or shouldn't invest in or nobody told us how much inventory to carry or you're getting, you know, you're not liquid enough, those sort of things. Still haven't. I mean, I'm, spoiler alert, I still don't have anybody telling me how to do any of this. So it's not like it eventually <laughs> happened, but I certainly didn't have it back then. You know. Well, the other th thing around that same time that I thought was uh, another very cool thing is that you ordered custom guitars that were the OM35, uh, which has come and gone. People remember the OM35. It had a, a low-profile one and three-quarter-inch bound neck and the three-piece back, but it, it was basically, you know, the, the typical Sitka Indian quarter-inch bracing but you ordered it in short scale, so it was essentially a triple O35. And I remember seeing those at the second store, and of course the one that, that uh, our friend Reese Ord bought and still loves and is still his main Martin guitar. So that was also a very smart and cool thing to do, I thought. Hey, Reese, thank you. Thank you. So that brings us up to the, the second store. So how many years were in the second store? You were there from approximately when to approximately when? That's when it gets really fuzzy because we actually left that store before we had the current store ready. So there was this interim time where we had uh, moved out physically and we were actually keeping inventory in our home very temporarily. Boy, when I, when I think of how do we make any of that work because we, we've never been a store with a low number of, of guitars. We've always had a big inventory and there was basically a, an interim where the uh, Second Street store with the paneling, that that's over. We're out of there and moving into a newer place, but it's not quite ready. We didn't have the luxury of staying in the second place longer than we wanted to. So I would say that was probably 04 to 06. Boy, it couldn't have been two years, but maybe a year and a half. Because I remember Martin would ask us every other Thursday, hey, did you get a new building yet? Like, what's going on? And we, we did, but it, it wasn't, you know, inhabitable yet. So... If I don't have the luxury of looking this up, I'll say 04 to 06 was the second store. 06 to 07, 08 maybe was the was working from home, and then boy, I wish I wish I had that in front of me. It, it's that's what it feels like, and I, I could be wrong by a couple of years. So yeah, and I do remember that. I remember one time coming to visit you, and uh, and the house was basically a store. <laughs> <laughs> or a big chunk of your house was basically a story. pretty much too much, um, and uh, but uh, and I also remember very clearly I had to come downstairs from the bedrooms uh, to get I don't know something I had left down there in like in the middle of the night, and you know maybe something as stupid as you know eyeglass cleaner or my eyeglasses or something, and there you were the two of you in the really in the deep middle of the night in your pajamas. <laughs> for all intents and purposes, <laughs> filling orders and filling boxes for shipping and, and doing the, you know, doing your work in your bathrobes yeah. and pajamas <laughs> in the middle of the night. Um, Don't get too descriptive now. Just dial it back a little bit. <laughs> That's all right. I won't mention anything about the uh, polka dots or the, uh, or the, or the, uh, the Go, Snoopy, yeah, just stop. You know, Snoopy just slippers stop. or anything like that. <laughs> and you better not talk about Lori's outfit. <laughs> exactly um but uh 
yeah, so so you guys have definitely talked about dedication and uh, 24-7, you know, you certainly earn your vacations when you go off to Cape Cod or go off to the seashore. Um, I believe you. you me. Um, so, um, so then you basically take off and internet uh, business dealerships take off and you're one of the premier uh, dealers. When people would go on YouTube or go on uh, Google or something like that and start searching for Martins, you guys were starting to pop up on page one all the time. And, you know, and I have to say, I was like, I know those guys, you know, I know those people. Um, <laughs> and that, you know, that's such a small uh, his and her, you know, shop with the help of your brother and the occasional other person that is, has passed through briefly. Um, it's a remarkable success story, frankly, to uh, to it's kind of like being on the cover of the Rolling Stone, being on page one of, of Google. Oh. It's like being on the well, cover of the you. Rolling Stone, as the old song used to say. Well, to, to wheel backwards a little bit on the timeline, the very first store was our complete dedication to the walk-in customer and the uh, the brick-and-mortar side of it. And we tried and tried and tried and recognized it wasn't working. And then we decided, because uh, the very first idea was treat the people walking through the door first. And if you have time, well, wait to hear this. If you have time, answer the <laughs> email or the phone. Like, wow, I can't believe, I can't believe that, that even that we didn't sink. And as soon as we flipped that, we decided, let's try. Let's try to make the person coming in the door wait until we're off the phone to help them, wait until we're off the email. It more than tripled, like, and like a light switch. So we recognize we're going to you know, keep store hours, but we're going to really lean heavy on the internet stuff and not to interrupt you. But it was the very first building and the second building even while we were you know, in a physical location doing the brick and mortar thing, we were using the brick and mortar room to basically work the internet and, and it's never changed since. So now, I mean, fast forward to today, the showroom's still temporarily closed just because we don't have any room right now, but the it's it's more than 99.5% internet sales with us. And even those little pieces of a percent of people that want to buy something here are finding us on the website or on YouTube and driving from Philly or driving from Delaware or New York. Uh, there There is no, uh, for better or worse, there's no local business here. Twice a week we get phone calls locally, and it's always, do you want to buy a piano? Uh, my friend found a mandolin, what is it worth? Things we just, nothing to do with acoustic guitars or retail, and it's just not, we're, we're in the wrong physical location. But meshing this together with some of the things you said a few moments ago, talking about the importance of YouTube, I did mention 2006 was the very first Mari's music video on YouTube, but I think it's probably the time of the show now to at least ask you, is, is this going to intersect with what you're talking about timeline-wise when you were on our YouTube channel, or are we not there yet? No, I think so. I think that's, that's fine to go ahead. I mean, I mentioned it all, already back then, that you know how I started to do the videos. So I'll ask everybody, including Spoon, when do you think the first Mari's music Spoon Phillips video aired on YouTube. Uh, just give me the year and I'll, I'll give you some more information. I haven't the foggiest notion. Um, that's interesting because I like the written stuff. I started going to the Martin factory in the lobby and just started shooting videos of the new, uh, the new videos, you know, of the new stuff and started putting online. And then eventually uh, Mike Dickinson uh, arranged uh, for me to start using the sound room so I could get really, you know, better sound without an <coughs> interruption and, and all that. 
Um, and then you guys, that's when, you know, Lori came to me and asked if I'd be willing to do the same thing for you guys. And originally I didn't expect to be a spokesmodel. Um, but, um, and you know, with my long luxurious hair as it is. And I, uh, <laughs> and, um, so I, you know, expected to do the anonymous one man's thing too, because she was basically asking me to do what I did there or you did by that time. I think you were, you were in the driver's seat. She must've been out of town. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so I came in and started doing the talking about the models, um, you know, extemporaneously as I do. And, um, and I'm trying to stall for time because I'm going back into time. You're avoiding the question really well. I'm avoiding the question, but really, I, 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 as my father would have said, I haven't the foggiest notion of when it was. I don't know if it was, it's got to be more than five years. January 25th, 2013. 13, 10 years. Oh my gosh, 10 years after the store opened and also 10 years th this past year. We didn't, we missed the anniversary. How we did. How depressing. Um, but I mean, can you believe that you and I knew each other for 12 years before you appeared on a video on our YouTube channel uh, for Mari's music? I, I, I have to, I wonder if this is a typo, but I found the video. It's the D45A. You're in the Martin Sound Room. And actually, that's, that's, that's part one of this two-part banger. That was January 25th, the beginning of the year, 2013. You did a D45 authentic video from the Martin Sound Room, and back then we must have been sharing, not sharing footage, but my camera's on you and so is yours. Yeah, sharing time, yeah, certainly. Yeah. yeah. So that was the beginning of the year. It wasn't until July 15th, 2013, that you appeared on a, on a video from Maury's Music shot at Maury's Music, and I can't believe that. That's pretty cool. That's really interesting. You'll have to go back. So you said it was the D25A. So we'll have to find out what uh, D45A, rather. You'll have to find out. And man, I love those guitars. I just love the original D4. You're talking about the authentic, yes? Not an Adirondack top D45. Yeah, the authentic, yeah. Yeah, man, I just love those guitars. I, you know, they, I think there was a financial downturn and they, they, they dropped them. Or maybe that was when the... Uh, first Brazilian uh, Rosewood crisis hit, supply chain crisis, but they didn't make them for very long. And uh, this was back before they were making the authentics out of a, you know, based on a particular real guitar, trying to replicate a real one specific Martin, where they're just mm -hmm. using the the 1930s techniques for for bracing primarily and, and hide glue. Uh, before they had discovered the letter about how they did the the you know semi gloss finish for the 28s and before. You know, they, they started really paying attention to how thin the fretboards were and all that stuff. But my gosh, those are spectacular guitars. It was one of the first things I'd ever do if I picked up a winning lottery ticket off the ground and turned it in as uh, I'd try to track <laughs> down one of those original D D45 authentics. Um, but anyway, um, you should find out. I suggest we find out what the first uh, video I did was for you this year. And... Then we'll, you can just say, change the, the wording on the YouTube and say that it's the 10th anniversary uh, <laughs> Spoon Phillips video review. I have no idea what it would be, but. Well, but, I don't uh, have enough to do, so I will take that challenge and I will accept it. <laughs> and um, and I, I will tell you, instead of asking you too many questions, because I have to ask you 20 very soon, uh, the July 15th, 2013, that video where you first appeared 
on our YouTube channel was for the Martin D. John Sebastian. Do you remember that? Wow, that was a very cool guitar too. Yeah, I enjoy, that's very cool. Yeah, I remember playing that at the factory uh, too, uh, playing one of the prototypes at the factory before it came out. And uh, how how about that? And that's the that's trivia. That's what I call trivia because I do not remember that at all. So very cool. So thank you for reminding me. Good times. Really, it's, this has been fun for me so far because I'm I'm learning things I forgot. And if somebody would have bumped into us this past Martin Fest and said, "Hey, you know, how'd you guys get started? When did you guys start doing videos?" I would have never said uh, 2013. That just it still doesn't feel like an accuracy. Uh, but yeah, I knew it was more than five years, yeah. but I was like, it could it really be ten years? And it was in fact ten years, because I have the advantage of remembering that I didn't do the music the music room videos uh, right away. I was doing them in the lobby for several years, and then I was doing them in a hallway at Martin for several years, not several years, maybe two years. And, and then somebody, some, some old bitty buddy, uh, you know, said it was a fire hazard. It wasn't even remotely a fire hazard. I was in a little nook <laughs> and, no, and people could yeah. walk right by me to the fire exit without, you know, banging into the guitar, you know. It was, but that's when Mike said, uh, okay, fine. People are gonna complain about him here. Let's just put him in the sound room. And that was that, so. We'll just give him a much better room and cater to him all day long. And it, it reminds me of that Mitch Hedberg where, you know, if you're standing in front of a fire exit, says, hey, if you have legs and there's a fire, there is no such thing as standing in front of a fire exit. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, that's, that reminds me of a little thing, too, because when I went in there, I was a little self-conscious that is that do the people upstairs know about this? And uh, that within, you know, the, the first time I was there, the first Martin... Uh, the first NAM show, you know, where I went in, instead of going out to California, I go to the factory and do the, do the, uh, they usually make two models, one for the show and one to keep at the factory, and I would do the review of the ones that didn't go to the show. And in comes, uh, in the same day, Jeff Allen and, and, Fr and Fred Green. So we were talking, you know, that anybody who had any problem about me doing this stuff the moment it was clear that Jeff Allen and Fred Green came by to talk to me and, and you know, and jaw and ask my opinion about the models and stuff, they, you know, they, they all scurried <laughs> off into wherever they came from because that was the kind of, you know, that was the stamp of approval that let me know that, that yes, up, you know, that the executives know about this and are happy that I'm doing this. So that was nice. Um, exactly. And fortunate. They might not say it, but they're... Uh, they do say it behind closed doors that I've heard people tell me, you know, one of the things we have to do when these new models comes out, we have to get a hold of Spoon. A lot of, a lot of people never knew that I was didn't work for Martin. They don't. I never certainly made a cent doing that stuff for Martin. It was all something I wanted to do for originally for the guitar forums and then for my own website, and they were happy to have me do it. Only recently have I had any formal uh, connection to Martin where they hired me to write some stuff for their journal. And that's that's all you know. I wrote wrote some articles for their uh, their annual journal. That's been the, uh, my only official uh, business connection to Martin ever because I've never wanted to be a Martin employee because I I need to be able to tell the truth and I when I write my reviews on my website you know I have to I can't have a, a gag order at all about that stuff. Um, exactly, and and for what it's worth, what I meant was in the spirit of journalism. Like they they know that it's another outlet. Like the Premier Guitar is going to get one of these. You know, so Spoon has to see them too. That kind of thing. But where, you know, it's yeah. but it's also the kind of thing where Jeff would would slip me uh, the actual um, the actual drafting drawings. You know, of that that show that the measurements actually go down to like this. 
fifth decimal point sometimes. Like, the, for instance, CO7, they say that it's this tall and this wide or whatever. The actual measurements are, are you know, down to decimalness, and, and they're not exactly what they say they are. Little things like that. And like the, the outlaw, you know, the, I have the, I have the uh, schematics for the outlaw model that Jeff put together that was a lot, you know, using authentic things outside the authentic series stuff like that, you know. So I get little tidbits and inside stuff that, you know, I definitely cherish because it's, it informs me, it allows me to inform other people. But knowing that there's lots of things I don't say and I don't tell people about because then they wouldn't tell me anything anymore. <laughs> so yep. so uh, I, I'm aware of that too. But um, but so it also helps me inform me when I'm doing my reviews for Morris Music. So. So, and like Mari says, he's, you know, he may get his dates wrong or whatever. Sometimes when I'm, when the spirit is on me and I am testifying about a particular Barton model at Mori's music, and the, it is impromptu, and sometimes I will misremember and say the wrong spec or, or get my models mixed up, especially if I'm doing 10 videos across two days, you know, or, two, or more. <laughs> um, yeah, you wish, more like 24. For the most part, I know what I'm talking about. Um, but, uh <laughs> and it's fun to do. So it's always an excuse to come. Yeah, particularly nice weather so I can swim in your swimming pool, which I didn't uh -huh. get to do this year. But I just um, closed it up, and that's when the uh, weather went to 94 degrees seven days in a row. So. <laughs> Wasn't it? <laughs> I was proud of the fact that I did not turn on my air conditioner all year, and I had to turn it on Sunday night because I was <gasps> about to, on Monday night rather, when I got back from my trip, because, and it's still on right now because... This is uh, the busiest day. You know, I'm in a very busy period right now work-wise, and there's no way I'm going to sit in here working on uh, deadlines and taking lots of calls and stuff from people uh, in, in a sauna. So I'm sitting, you know, I have to have the air conditioner on. But I made it all the way. I made it all the way through August. Uh, didn't have my air conditioner wow. on once, but, but I have succumb. But, um, well, do you feel like you can make it all the way through 20 questions? That's the question. 20 questions, so I guess I have to ask this time, don't I? Hmm. You've got to guess what, what I'm thinking of this time. Very good. For those of you who are unfamiliar, 20 questions. Uh, the, uh, the smart guy, is, being Mari, is going to think of a Martin guitar that is still available for sale today. Either it's still in production, but it's either, you know, it's on the website or you can buy it in stores. And uh, I have 20 questions to try to figure out which Martin guitar he's thinking of. And up to three of those questions can be a guesses of a particular model. Okay, I am thinking of a guitar. 20 questions on the clock. And go. Is it... The J40. <laughs> no. Good guess. I was following my instincts. Okay, so that's one question down. Is this guitar made, manufactured in Nazareth, Pennsylvania? Yes. Does this guitar have a dreadnought body size? Yes. So that's three questions. We know it's a Nazareth made dreadnought. Does this guitar have the traditional full-size dovetail neck joint? No. Okay, so we've eliminated the Authentic Series, the Modern Deluxe Series, and the Standard Series. Does this guitar have the traditional dreadnought depth? Yes. Does this guitar have 14 frets free from the body? Yes. That's six. 
Does this guitar have square shoulders? No. That's seven. Okay. That's money. Maybe. Now I've got to try to remember which ones are currently made with sloped shoulders. Is this the D17? Can you spell the name more accurately and more correctly? Is this a D17 that is available either in Black Smoke or Whiskey Sunset? Yes. That's eight. That may be my record. That may have tied my record for eight. You're, you're not. You're not done. You haven't named it. This is like Wheel of Fortune. It's the D17. The D17 qualifies whether it's the Whiskey Sunset or the Black Smoke. I want the full name of this model. You, there's no such thing as a D17. That's that's the one Nicole plays from the late 90s. I want to hear. Oh, the... oh! I beg your pardon. Wait a second. What do they call these now? Is this the? DS-17? No, they call it D-17-S? I don't remember. No! That's nine. No. Oh, come on. <laughs> I don't want to hear a keyboard clicking. That's nine questions. Oh, come on. I've always just called it the D-17. All right, so we have a slope shoulder. Oh, is it a DSS-17? DSS-17 Whiskey Sunset. <laughs> Okay, DSS 17. You got me first fair. I I uh, I feel like Wally Cox at at in Hollywood Squares. Um, but I will say uh, okay. So that's ten. So I didn't tie my record. It took ten questions to to do that. But still, not. well, you did really good. I I knew I wasn't going to string you along for ten more questions. But for a split second, I thought, wow, what if he says eight more incorrect titles? I might have him on the hook. <laughs> Let's be really honest now and bring some more value back to the program. What is the D17 I'm talking about that our friend Nicole plays? Describe the difference. Oh, okay. All right. Well, this would require a lengthy discussion of the history of Style 17, which I'll not do very much. But um, 17, the modern, what I consider the modern era, so post-Woodstock, let's say, 1970 onward, they brought out the 17... Uh, style 17 meant a fancier version of style 18. So, I'm sorry, 15, I'm sorry, style 15. So they brought out the modern style 15 that was a mahogany top, back and sides, with no binding and no purfling and a uh, satin finish. And then they decided to bring out the 17, which had... Uh, some kind of gloss finish. I honestly don't remember if it was a traditional nitrocellulose or if that's when they first started playing around with other uh, catalyzed finishes. I don't remember. Um, so it was a gloss finish. It had a very thin white line perforating and some other trim. I'm pretty sure it's bound, but I don't remember if it's bound in tortoise or what it's bound in. And they made the, uh, they only made it the D17 at first. And it is, uh, and the bracing is different. It doesn't have the same bracing as the typical 15. I think it's the bracing is more along the lines of what the 16s had in those days, which is called the hybrid bracing, to go along with the, the neck joint at that time. I think 
This is uh, going way back. Maybe it had the same bracing, but I don't remember. So anyway, um, that has nothing to do with the modern 17s. Those things were retired, and they were briefly replaced by a D17 and a triple O, a uh, long scale slope shoulder triple O 17, and they probably had some sort of little. Uh, that would have probably been a triple O 17S, and the D17 might have just said D17. It had kind of an odd reddish finish on it, reddish sunbursty finish, almost like a nectarine, as I remember. And those didn't last very long at all. Pretty sure Nicole's D17 is either ebony fretboard and bridge, or it might be micarta. And I don't remember what the, those other short-lived 17s were. Those went away. So style was 17 went away. And then in mo modern, modern times, they came out, uh, Chris Martin wanted to do guitars that paid homage to the guitars from the Depression era that were less expensive, simply appointed, and were sold in mail order catalogs like Montgomery Ward and Sears Roebuck. And that, that's where they came out with the Whiskey Sunset and the Black Smoke models. And you could get a 14-fret triple O, you could get a 12 fret double O. And did they have a, a dread originally at first? I think they had a 14 fret dread. Or am I, mis or am I misremembering that? Mm. Gosh, I can't believe I can't remember this. Um, I probably need some protein. I think my memory's going. Um, but they came out with the black smoke. And the yeah, I thought you weren't going to go into a big deep dive on the uh, history of the 17s. <laughs> I know, I know. Okay, so that's that's it. So then they came out with the new stuff. Well, that is a very short version of the history of Style 17, believe me. But, but um, they came out with the new 17s, very lightly built. They don't even use pore filler, so you can feel the wood through the very thin satin finish. So they have a very special sound, and I really like them. And then they came out with the DSS. And that's what they really, it was the right thing to do. Having that sloped shoulders increases the bass response for that lightly built, very thin finished guitar. When you put finish on a guitar, when you put the heavier stuff that they have on the standard series, that kind of stuff, it hugs this wood and it forces the sound to bounce around in the sound chamber before it comes out. I, I'm not a physicist, but that's what it's like in my brain. Those lighter, those lighter guitars don't do that. And they don't have, they have a brighter, uh, brighter, more vibrant sound to them. And, uh, but having the big slope shoulder dreadnought body brings in enough bass uh, to, uh, to really uh, make those guitars sound really good. I'm a big fan of the DSS-17, even if I couldn't remember the name of it. Oh yeah, all that to say, I wasn't wrong to make you name the whole thing from top to bottom the correct way. Absolutely, you're completely correct. Well, thank you very much, Spoon, and uh, let me be the first to say it. You have been nothing but the best when it comes to working with uh, somebody on YouTube and off. I want to say that talking about all these old memories when we first began working together, whether it was just in, uh, in print or in website copy before it became videos, this whole thing has been nothing but great, and we would not be where we are today without Spoon Phillips being involved. So a sincere thank you. I don't want to say it too often. I don't want to make that ego get any bigger and it'll, it'll have to, uh, be put in a, a new town because New York City's not big enough. But you've been the best and I'm just really glad to have known you. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that very much. You know, uh, we definitely hit it off musically immediately. And I think uh, we just, you know, we come from similar backgrounds and have a lot in common and between you and Laurie and I. And so it's it's been a very good 
uh, friendship that also gets to be a partnership. And, and it's hard to ask for more than that uh, from the closest people I've ever known to those people living in Bedford Falls. <laughs> Put it that way. So, uh, <laughs> so as, as some smarter people might say, after 22 years, we could say we're doing something right. <laughs> I guess so. I look forward to seeing you guys again. Maybe one of the reasons we get along so well is we never get to see each other, but, but uh, we'll have to work out a visit sometime <laughs> soon. Thank you very much for the suggestion. This was fun uh, letting us go down memory lane. So I appreciate that to the, our loyal listener who uh, requested this topic. Absolutely. And if you've enjoyed this program, whether it's this episode or another one, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. We might even read your review on the air. Dub1281 writes, Mari's definitely a friend of the forums with some of the questions he asks. Much appreciated. Well, thank you very much, Dub. I'm wholeheartedly proud to be a part of the unofficial Martin Guitar Forum and the Acoustic Guitar Forum, and we're glad you're there too. From all of us at Mari's Music, thanks for listening. Hear you later. This has been a presentation of Mari's Music, your trusted source for Martin and Blue Ridge guitars. Find us online at maurysmusic.com. Music.com.